I get the fatigue. I've been beating my head against this wall my entire career. I gotta be honest, at one point I was like, okay, you know, I'm done. You can only make people do so much. And I have the gift of stick to And you keep coming back and building a trust with them and bringing them information that's tangible, that they can touch and they can see. They'll start to come around. But I was just flat out tired until my first grandchild was born. And it started all over again. I'm like, what shit mess am I leaving for her? And we all have a duty and a responsibility and an obligation morally. This is our planet. This is our water. You've got to be kidding me. Let's just think about this. If you've got no water and poisoned food, what do you think the end game for you is going to be? That is legal researcher, environmental activist, and author Aaron Brockovich. And this is episode 309 of Better Than Yesterday. Welcome to Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osha Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. This is episode 309 with Aaron Brockovich. Yes, that Aaron Brockovich. You can find her on Instagram. There's a lot of underscores. The underscore real underscore Aaron underscore Brockovich. B-R-O-C-K-O-V-I-C-H. More about Aaron in just a moment. If you're new to the show, welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, what is this show? I'm well, me. I'm Osha Ginsberg. I'm a TV guy and a, and a podcaster and a, a dad and a stepdad from Sydney, Australia. And this podcast is simply a, a conversation designed to help you make today a bit better than yesterday. That's it. I guarantee it. In the next hour and a bit, you're going to hear something that's going to make you think, oh, you know what? I never considered that before. And then, boom. Today just feels a little bit better than it did yesterday, and you might feel yourself on a better path. That's what I'm here to do. That's what these conversations are about. There's one every single Monday, and there's a little bit on Friday as well. Thanks, everybody, who um, enjoyed the deep knowledge drop from Jesse Israel on on Monday's show last week, all about meditation and the power of group meditation. Cracking. I'm working on getting that one happening in the Opera House. It's on. Uh, I'm trying. And also thanks heaps for the kind words about Friday's check-in as well. Um, You can always reach out to me. Send Osher email at gmail.com. I know if you listen to old episodes, I push a Facebook group a lot, but I read the Roger McNamee book and yeah, Facebook's off my phone. So is Twitter. So is Instagram. So uh, if you need to get me, e- email's the best. I-, I have people that check the Instagram now and so they'll just tell you to email me. So that's it. Send Osher email at gmail.com. Thank you so much to the folks who sent me through a podsy, which is basically a picture of what you're looking at right now, because I just love to listen to how, I love to look at how you listen to a podcast, all right? I was listening to podcasts going through my garage today, throwing out old stuff, finding old stuff, Marie condoing the shit out of things, giving, thank you very much for that, tearing up a photograph, don't need that anymore, goodbye. Uh, did a lot of that, it was good. Listening, uh, this is from Grace who uh, sent the best photo ever because I make the same face when I'm into mine. I'm listening to the Jesse Israel episode under my nine kilogram weighted blanket. Feels like a big warm, big warm hug for both my body and my ears. Loving the community feels. I've been telling everyone and anyone about your podcast. Thanks for what you do. Yeah, Grace, I've got a, I've got a twelve kilo. It's so good. Got to thank Richie Roll for putting me on those. Um, gravity blanket, man. It's the way forward. It really is. Unfortunately, I can't have it in the bed at the moment because Audrey's got to get in and out so much for baby. So uh, I'm living without at the moment, but. 
Yeah, if I can get a nap under a gravity blanket, it makes my day. And thank you so much for Tanya, who's walking an inconsistently behaved dog with two fabulous photos five seconds apart. One dog is sitting very well and being super pooch. Second dog is just bonkers. Uh, I can relate to that. Tanya, my dogs are the same. They're getting increasingly stupid as they get older. Uh, but So thanks very much for sending those through. Just take a photo of what you're looking at right now and shoot it to me. Send Osher email at gmail.com. And thank you. If you would like to do the same, if you would like to recommend this podcast, to someone that would be one of if that's probably the greatest thing you can do for me uh, anyone uh, here at the show we work very hard on making the show happen there's a lot of people that make the show with me and your recommendations to people around you is what really makes this show grow and thank you and it's those recommendations and 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 telling people about the show that, that have helped it grow to a point where someone like Aaron Brockovich uh, wants to be on the show which I'll tell you about in just a moment Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So let me tell you about my guest today. Erin Brockovich is probably the most famous name in law in the world. She made a name for herself when she went up against the utility company, the massive utility company, Pacific Gas and Electric, or PG&E, and helped bring together the largest settlement ever paid in a direct action lawsuit in US history on behalf of the people of Hinkley, California, who had been affected by polluted water. Erin went on to become instrumental in numerous other high-profile cases, usually up against massive corporate entities who are using their size to get away with either polluting the environment or otherwise just generally neglecting humans, basically. Erin was out in Australia. She does work with a, a crew out here called Shine Lawyers. It's a big law firm, and she works with them on a couple of high-profile cases. Mostly she's been working She's been working with them for over 10 years right now. Um, particularly, she's out here working on the issue of PFAS, PFAS. It's a, it's a toxic chemical contained in firefighting foam, which was used widely in Australia between the 1970s and 2000. It was a substance sprayed over defence force bases, shipping ports, regional firefighting stations for decades. And what it does, it leaches into the soil and surrounding waterways and contaminate some. And in 1987, the American authorities wrote to the Australian government and said, you know, this is dangerous. This is a bad thing to do, but nothing got done. And they continued to spray it for nearly 20 more years. Um, yeah. Research in the United States has linked exposure to PFAS to uh, cancer and a dozen other uh, diseases and many Australian towns, including Bustlebrook in Western Australia, where Erin had actually gone out to visit, say their dogs have been riddled with cancer, their dogs die young, they can't drink the tap water, they bathe their babies in bottled water. Um, this is Australia, all right? You and I probably would just drink water straight out of the tap and not even have a care in the world. 
but in our own country, this is this is happening. So the people at Shine reached out to me to ask if I would have Aaron Brockovich on the show, and I I think I, I waited the appropriate amount of 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 time to respond very casually in lowercase. That would be lovely. Whereas I was typing with both fists to most producer Rachel, going, "Holy shit, Aaron Brockovich!" Yeah, amazing. And, you know, because I'm terrified to speak about this kind of thing and certainly some of the other cases she's working on, she's working in the California wildfires as well. So, of course, I said yes to talk about this stuff because I know that backing away from things that frighten me is not the path to to freedom. I I have to push into it. And um, who else to have some verbal exposure therapy with than Erin Brockovich? So I flew myself down on a a carbon offset flight to Melbourne uh, for about seven hours to speak with this incredible human being. Aaron Brockovich is, as you would expect, incredibly clever, blisteringly fast, tall, 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 powerful, walks into a room and owns it. She's passionate and she is just a fire hose of fury. I get why she is good at what she does. Because if you're going toe-to-toe in a boardroom with a company that's colossal, and has political donations on its side and political donations protecting them, you want to have a secret weapon up your sleeve. And that secret weapon is Aaron Brockovich. Incidentally, when I heard, I was we recorded it at the Langham Hotel in Melbourne where she was staying. They, they put a beautiful suite aside for us to use uh, on the day. And I thought, oh, I better get up in them. So I poured her some glasses of water and, and, and I put them down on the table. And then like about a minute before she walked in, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm about to serve Aaron Brockovich tap water. <laughs> and she ended up having a sip. Uh, she gave it a good sniff and then she didn't touch it again for the rest of the interview. But I, I finished my whole bottle. But I guess when you're Aaron Brockovich, you've forgotten more horrible things about tap water than I'll ever learn. And I, I guess that you understandably feel a bit odd about drinking unfamiliar tap water. So, uh Yeah, you'll hear us talk about it. It's pretty interesting. This one absolutely blew my socks off and I just, I can't wait for you to hear it. Uh, She's on Instagram, the real Erin Brockovich. There's underscores between everything, the underscore real underscore Erin underscore Brockovich, B-R-O-C-K-O-V-I-C-H. Jump her on there. Let her know you heard her here. So come now to the beautiful Langham Hotel in Melbourne. Come and sit eye to eye with one of the best legal minds of our time and one of the most ferocious environmental activists you will ever encounter. Ladies and gentlemen, Erin Brockovich. How are you, Erin? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. We've got a nine-week-old baby at home, so I'm... (gasps) Congratulations. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So I I am before you with just espresso and and Barocca. Well, that's good. I would have joined you if I was home with my grandkids. I would have come in with all kinds of stuff on me, so I I have four. Grandchildren? Four grandchildren. Four grandchildren. Six, um, five, four, and eight months old. Oh, my goodness. So this morning I handed uh, Wolfgang's our boy, and... um, I pulled him out of bed and I, I handed him to Audrey and she spun around and there's just all chocolate on his back. <laughs> oh, no. And Audrey's like, what's going on? I was like, late last night, Audrey made some chocolate cake and I was eating it, burping him. <laughs> so I'm eating the chocolate cake and I'm patting his <laughs> oh. back. So he's got chocolate. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a bunch of poo. I mean. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, you know, probably, you know, when you had your, your kids, it's mm-hmm. probably before that time, but you can best believe that, my phone is full of text messages of like, look what he did today. Yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, consistency. It's all about consistency. Mm-hmm. Now, just, I get it with grandchildren, though, now. Oh, right. I'm sure you do. Sure, Did they Gigi. ask you, what does this sure, mean? Gigi. My kids. Um, <laughs> what do they say well, to you, consistency? It goes, is, is this normal? What? Poo. Poo? Uh, well, my daughter's pretty consistent about that. Would be my son that would be asked that uh-huh. if, if mom wasn't around. Right. But my daughter, she has the three. I mean, she, no. She's, she's all got, over it. Oh, no. She's all over it. Right. She, now, we'll, she knows more than I do. Um, now, dissecting just, poo. <laughs> just just before you walked in here, I was like, oh, she's probably going to be thirsty. And then <laughs> just as you walked in, it was like, yeah, I'm offering Aaron Brockovich tap water. Oh, I just, I tasted it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That is tap water. <laughs> I tasted it. And I'm like, it just, has a distinct taste. It does. And it I'm does. grateful for it because, you know, modernity is an extraordinary thing and a bit of a chlorine can, I mean, there was a time when a glass of water could kill you uh, 48 hours later full of cholera and things like that. But Well, they're, they're coming back because we're adding ammonia and reducing the effectiveness of chlorination. So the United States has large Legionella outbreaks as does Australia. Get out. And now we're seeing different bacterias, brain-eating amoebas. We've lost several people to these um, bacterias. So do you want some bottled water or are you all right? Well, I don't know. I already had a sip, but I, uh, I plenty you in can there. taste it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm fine for now, really. I'm on the Melbourne tap myself, mm-hmm. but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Do you want to have a depressing conversation or an enlightening one? Well, one of my, the podcasts that my, my therapist is telling me to listen to is one called Outrage and Optimism, which is an mm-hmm. extraordinary podcast put together by the three people that uh, made the Paris Climate Summit happen. Huh? They are like head, heavy hitter UN, mm-hmm. like their whole life in policy and they're on speed dials with world leaders and they've put this podcast together. And at the same time, it, that's exactly what the show is, is outrage and optimism. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the kind of conversation I would like to have. But you don't have a- optimism until you get outraged. Well, precisely, because you've got to have somewhere to go. You do. You need. You really That's need right. need to have somewhere to go. But firstly, though, you're you're in Australia um, with the team from Shine, which mm-hmm. a lot of people. There's a big law firm in Australia. It's a very familiar name, but they may not know the kind of work that that you're doing with them. And there's a there's a number of kind of long term environmental cases that you're you're helping them out with, right? Yes. There's one um, to do with the, the firefighting climate, which yes, we all will. PFAS. 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 I didn't quite know how to sp- spell the acronym. PFOS. Oh. So it's it's part of the PFC group of family um, that 3M created that has 3,000 different chemicals in it, PFOS being one of them, which you would know as firefighting foam or flame retardants. Uh, in the U.S., we've already had a huge litigation for the perfluorococatonic acid, which we would know as Teflon. So this is a chemical that's been widely used and widely known for a long time by 3M that it's a pretty dangerous actor and that we better keep our eye on it. And our, our government has known this since, what, 1987? 1987. My guess would be there's possibly documents earlier than that. So what happens in the U.S. is 3M notified EPA. The Post-it-Note people. The Post-it Note people? Yeah, 3M make Post-it Absolutely. Notes. 3M, they're huge. <laughs> they make sticky tape. I wrap Christmas presents They do with a it. whole lot of stuff. Yeah. They make a lot of bad chemicals too. <laughs> um, they notified the EPA that this was a bad actor and they should keep their eye on it. So the EPA has to have science to set what we call MCLs, maximum contaminant limits. So they set a guideline. Where they get these guidelines, we've never understood. I think they just pull them out of thin air. But they said, okay, we'll set a guideline for this chemical at 400 parts per trillion. So what happens is they notify all the municipalities that you can bring this chemical through your system up to 400 parts per trillion. And you, at 400 parts per trillion, you don't 
you don't have to give notice. At 401 parts per trillion, you do. Right. So as long as it's at 400 parts per trillion and below, mm. you don't have to report it. So everyone goes along their merry way. Now, we do things so ass backwards. Why we put a chemical in the water first to see how it turns out instead of doing a study first and then bringing it to market is beyond me. So everybody goes about their business. EPA's job is to commission a study of PFOS to conclude whether it does or doesn't cause cancer. These studies take 10, 15, 20 years. These studies cost millions and millions of dollars. Here we are, just going along life, drinking Mm. PFOS up to 400 parts per trillion throughout our municipal water systems. Four years ago, science caught up with policy. That's Mm. what I call it. And they let the EPA know we have a problem. This chemical causes cancer. 12 different types of cancers and diseases. So the EPA is like, oh shit. So now we have to notify all the municipalities. All the municipalities are screaming because they're like, "Uh, we don't have the budget to bring this from 400 parts per trillion to 70. Like in Alabama where they got hit really hard, one municipality, the Morgan Water Company, took $150 million to put one filtration system on to keep this one chemical out of the water. Everybody else doesn't have the funds. They don't know where to get the money. So what happens in my world is now the municipalities have to notify the consumer. Mm -hmm. So I have consumers from Pennsylvania, Alabama, upstate New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, Virginia, Michigan, Minnesota, California, Colorado, deluging me. We just got this notice. Is this why my son has testicular cancer? Goodness me. Is this why I lost my daughter to thyroid cancer? Is this why my wife has kidney cancer? Mm. And it's, it's just daunting. So we had to fight hard because Scott Pruitt, head of the EPA at the time, hid the study. So these studies have been hidden. Now, I knew a couple of years ago that our EPA notified your government way back when you might want to keep your eye on this. Mm-hmm. And now you're facing the same plight. So the, the team from China brought you out here because you had the experience of working in similar cases in the States? Yeah, you guys tend to follow America. I don't know why you do that. Goodness, I hope we don't. Because <laughs> I don't know why you do that. Stop it. Well, you know... I, I do like America. I lived there for 10 years, but I'm very happy to be back here with universal health care and gun control. I'm not going to lie to you, Aaron. Well, you know, good. You can be a great advocate and a strong voice, and that's what it takes. That's what this is all about. That's what it's always been about for me. You've spent a bit of time out in the communities in Australia that are affected by this, yes? I have, you know, starting with Oki. And, you know, there's such a conflicting message. That drives me crazy. I just think we've all been gaslit for a whole really long time, mm-hmm. and our leaders try to convince us that what we're experiencing or what we're seeing isn't, in fact, really happening. And this is the one thing that sets me off. They've known out there that the eggs were contaminated. And they'll tell you, don't sell the eggs, but it's safe to drink the water. But then they'll tell you, well, the water may be safe enough to drink, but just to be sure, we're going to give you bottled water. And then they tell you, oh, you know, don't eat the beef, but the water's safe. Come on. And this is what the people of Oki have experienced. And there are people out there that have the signature disease, if you will, for this type of chemical, which is the testicular cancer. They still haven't gotten the results they need, but Shine will be taking this to trial next year. And we still need our judicial system. You know, I know sometimes the law can have a really bad taste for a whole lot of people, but they're our last front of justice Mm -hmm. for our voices to be heard to take on this challenge against the government on how you're going to clean this chemical up in Oki. 
it blows my mind here in Australia as much as it does in the U.S., and I've been coming here a long time, that a town of Catherine of, what, four or 5,000 people, possibly more, literally has no municipal water because it's all tainted with PFAS. And so now they've decided, well, the levels are low enough. Is there really a safe level? I don't think there's ever really a safe level of chemicals. You know, a chemical is a poison, and the poison is all day long a poison, whether it's one parts per trillion or 10. So I think it's a fallacy that just because it's got a standard that it's possibly safe. It drives me mad. But now they're going to take away their bottled water. What are these people supposed to do? And the same thing agitates me here that it does in the United States. This is our future coming up that has been exposed from the age of 5 to 10 to 15 to a chemical that has a half-life that may not leave your body. So what are we saying? Your future is cancer? Your future is disease, and yet we continue to play a shell game and not get this information out to the public sector is beyond frustrating. And it isn't until you and I come speak out, you do a podcast, I'm very pleased to see the media so involved, to get the word out that this is actually happening. You know, it took ABC News to do a FOIA, Freedom of Information request, within your government a year to get the report that shows you have 70 of these sites in Queensland alone. And we're already working down in Williamstown, New South Wales, and Oakey, and Catherine, and the Basin Perth. Now comes Adelaide. There's eight more lawsuits to come. What are you doing? And, and I feel like saying that just like I do at home, that we have to have this conversation. And Water is everybody's issue. It's a human issue. And this politicizing our water and our environment that has a direct impact on our health and welfare has got to stop. And it will be up to the people to make that happen. There's no doubt that this is only going to get it more and more critical as, mm-hmm. as the weather changes and, and continues to warm. I was in uh, northwestern Victoria last week, Aaron, and it is and, and similarly, you know, I wonder if, if this happens mainly there's two things here. It's quite grim in uh, northwestern Victoria, as in many parts of regional Australia, as far as access water supply and uh, access to clean water and, and, and water we can use to farm with. And that's only going to get more and more intense. Mm-hmm. And the politicisation of who is allowed and how much when they get it is only going to get m- more full on as we go forward. When anyone takes action around municipal water is, is the hope that it raises a flag saying you, you just can't fuck with this stuff all right you can't just arbitrarily throw stuff into the the ground if you're going to do mining or this or that or the other like watch yourselves or are the people just is it like facebook is it move fast and break things we're just going to keep going until someone catches us no it's been going on forever and i think the gig is finally up i think the moment has come where everyone is now sp- Chemicals have long latency periods, so I think latency periods are running, so we're seeing more illness. It can take a long time for a chemical to run through the water, so as it's either hit you or moved through you, we're now discovering, you know, hindsight's a great thing, oh crap, this is really going on, and where science is now colliding with policy. And everything that we've done as an industrial society was all good and well up until this point. Because those policies are antiquated. That 
corporate mindset is antiquated and it will not carry us into the future. So we have a moment here where we have new solutions and we're going to have to begin the daunting process of cleaning up our water because what's going on is we're literally shitting in our mess kit. And now we are contaminating our food supply. PFAS is contaminating the eggs, is contaminating the cattle. That when they are cleaning it and they get it down to what they think is a lower level, they're dumping it into the ocean. We have dolphins and porpoises that are washing up dead that have high levels of PFAS. What are you doing to the food chain? What are you doing to the fish life? I mean, this has got to stop. The disconnection between us and the environment, the gig's up. And, and I think we're all going to have to rise up. Now, I am seeing that happening, and that makes me very hopeful. And the younger generations are really catching on and speaking out about this. And what I want people to understand is my fourth book's coming out. It's The Truth of America's Water Supply, and it's called Superman's Not Coming. And we've got to stop thinking that this false illusion that some entity or some government or some person is going to come in and fix this for us. Because as you've shown us over the course of all these years, and now science has caught up, what we've been doing isn't working, and how we shift moving forward. And I think this is what you're seeing playing itself out across the entire planet right now, especially with the younger generations. We're leaving them a shit legacy. And you know what? They're not going to take the bag of shit, and they're going to push through to change that. When... Someone like me thinks about, like, I'm sitting here in a podcast with you. There's a few other people in the room who have positions of power and know what to do in a legal term. But when I go home to my wife and kids, I'll be like, I'm pretty much powerless to do anything about this. I'm one person against someone like 3M, for that example, who are gajillions, you know, that will just... What, what did I see the other day? There's a, there's a gold mine coming to Western New South Wales and the environmental protection report is 6,000 pages long and was submitted 14 days before this thing was going in there. So like, yeah, sure, there's a report. 6,000 pages, off you go. Like deliberately obfuscating the ability for any average punter to try and do anything about it. And so you feel like, well, fuck it, I can't do anything. I'll just have to drink this water. I'll just, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. Do you see that we are now coming to a time where enough people will then, because you say, you know, um, government, science is meeting policy. We happen to have a government that likes to pretend that science doesn't exist, particularly well, around climate. I don't climate. know why you're doing that. Your guys' ego over here is way out of control because Dude. the Western world has got the science. I'm telling you, All man. All you have to do is call us and we'll tell I'm you. I'm telling you, man. Like, these guys like to pretend that, you know, science doesn't apply, applies to certain parts of their life, but other parts of their life they'd rather it not. Anyway, do you see a time when there is going to be actually enough people to take someone like 3M on and go, we appreciate that you've had 50 years of unchecked growth, but Absolutely. reparations is coming. You're going to have to pay for oh, this. Oh, the time is here. I'm seeing it across the board. With 3M, look what's happening with Monsanto. Boy, those jury verdicts over there are really starting. For, to... for people who, who aren't familiar, can you just give us a okay, quick... Okay, well, Monsanto, uh, the Roundup, the glyphosate. Oh, you use this in Australia a lot. And it's association and the science and its connection with specifically Hodgkin's and, you know, blood diseases. And so we've been going to jury trials for well over a year now in the United States. And let me tell you, the jurors, we the people, are using their voice. And what hits these companies, unfortunately for them, is their pocketbooks. 
I'm seeing it happening with Pacific Gas and Electric. My old nemesis. Your old friends, PG&E. That's right. PG&E out in Hinkley, California. You know, they did it in Hinkley, and then they did it in Kettleman, and then they blew up San Bruno, and now they're blowing down a third of the state. And we represent about 16,000 people from the fires in, oh my gosh, the campfires, Paradise. Now, Malibu's been down by me. I'm up north where the horrible fires were in Santa Rosa, where 40-some people died in the campfire, which is Paradise, California, where 80-some people died. Good Lord. And it's interesting. I have been harping for a long time. And you you can't just look at PG&E without not taking a look at where's your board and where's the government? Because they're a monopoly and they have shown a repetitive pattern of behavior. How many pollutions in towns have to be destroyed and you blow up and you burn down before somebody goes, what are you doing? Mm. And they really did it this time. And they're in bankruptcy, which they're just in reorganization. They're not bankrupt. But they got the same bankruptcy judge that they drew on the Kettleman case that I put together that we settled. Anytime they're in trouble and their tits in a ringer, they got to go to the court. Let's help this figure out. If you can't figure it out, you shouldn't be running one of the world's largest private utility companies. It's a monopoly in the state of California. And this time the judge is really holding their feet to the fire. And I don't say that with any pun because it was awful what happened out there. But $11 billion will be paid for insurance subrogation. And the judge is still sitting with what he's determined to be $18 billion in plaintiff payout for the fires. And here I am sitting now. California's on fire again. And PG&E came forward and said, oh, oops, we started this. So I'm really mad. And somewhere this slid through the crack and it has everything to do with politics and that this company has gotten away with it. I've seen millions of dollars changed down on the legislative floor. We've stopped legislation that would have allowed inverse condemnation, which means basically strict liability is gone and they can come in and burn us down whenever they want, that somebody's finally literally going to hold them accountable. And this is the only way that it can be done. But that's happening through awareness, through information, and through people rising and these disasters before we take note. But I do think, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the moment is here. That's the shift that... We are going to recognize again as the people. We have a heart. We have a brain. We've had the courage. And we can find our way home and not fall into the illusion that somebody's got our back. Superman's not coming. Tag, you're it. So... Do you, do you laugh, but do, it's no, true. No, like, <laughs> I look, Aaron, I'm very happy to hear you say that. And the, the devil's advocate in me goes, so we all know that Exxon knew in the 50s, hmm? Exxon has known they were selling a product that is changing the climate for nearly for a long time, 70 years, they've known. Are we willing to pull down a company that big and have the economic ramifications of just, I mean, and I'm like, I'm Captain Renewable Energy over here, you, mm-hmm. you, but I'm just like, like, would any government be willing to let that happen, to let a company that employs so many people in not in their own country, but also worldwide and so much of the global economy is based upon, would we ever go after, you know, if you're talking, you know, with Superman's not coming, would we ever go after Lex Luthor? <laughs> they want you to believe that you can't. 
but you can't. See, everyone believes that PG&E, oh, they're in bankruptcy and we're going to go in blackouts and have no electricity. Oh, please. They're worth $88 billion. Nobody's going to take all of their $88 billion, but you are going to hit them enough where you don't like being sued, then start doing the right thing. And it's this lack of transparency. It's this corporate model that in America where, if you remember the Ford Pinto theory, where the gas tank was blowing up, and for them, they made a corporate decision. It would be easier to not fix it because you put it back on the line and redesign it. It's a lot of money, and it would be cheaper to face the lawsuits one at a time. That corporate model isn't going to work out so well. And I'll tell you one thing that's really different. The Industrial Revolution. I mean, look how that changed society. Our revolution today is technology. And because of technology and because of social media and because we're open to the world, here's what's going on with corporations. We see you. All these documents are surfacing. All this information is coming together. People in the state of Minnesota who moved away can now check back and see that there was a Superfund site there. They're starting to make the connections where they grew up to the environment, where the documents are, how they've been hidden. We see you. So our revolution is the power of technology that brings us, think about it, all together. When prior to that, we were really separated. You're over here and you're not going to hear what's going on over there. So it's a shell game. And it's this really a gaslighting process that wants to get us to believe that how can we believe anything they've said now when we see for ourselves that isn't what's been happening and I think this is where we take matters back into our hands. But Aaron, in the ad breaks of the football, I see this mining company doing wonderful things and helping kids and, you know, building a football field somewhere in a remote community and indigenous kids are handballing photos, That's right. you know, and like, yeah, we're a That's good mining, we're good guys. They're masters at it. They're master marketers. <laughs> so here, see what we're doing good over here? Focus on this. So you can't see what we're doing over here. Yeah, yeah. And that's ending for them. It's the shell yeah, game. Yeah. And listen, there is plenty of room, plenty of room for companies to still be companies and to make money. And there's plenty of room for them to do good. There's plenty of them to be more progressive with all the new technology to know better. And we need to demand that they do better. None of us want them to go away. Let's be realistic here. But I think it's unrealistic for them to continue to think that we're going to stand by and let you play by your rules and your rules only. I've never been in a room with the people that make these calls or sit on these boards, but I'm guessing you have. It must be, I'm assuming it's a strange world, a world that you never actually fly domestic. You've only ever flown planes owned by a company. Your feet never touch the ground in Manhattan. You get helicoptered from building to building. Like, Who, me? No, 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 the people that run I these see, companies. You better not be talking about me. No, no, no. That's the, the only way I get around. I'm, I'm asking. Boots like, on the ground. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that you've, you've sat across They're a board. They're disconnected. Yeah, you've sat across a boardroom yes. table. These people have families. They have children. To imagine that they know this stuff is happening, that it's poisoning people, that it's making dolphins die of weird cancers. It's making people die. And, then sleep, the and then sleep at night. Like, to believe they didn't care would make them evil. But what, what are they like? What are these guys like? I'm guessing they're all guys. What are they like? That, historically, they have been men. There are more women sitting on boards. I sit on a board, a first female ever. So they are starting to emerge. I think that there is a disconnect. Um, ego, man's biggest stumbling block. And because they're in their ivory tower and they're not experiencing what it, we're experiencing, therefore 
it isn't real. They can write their own narrative. Now, I have seen in many situations where there are higher-ups that actually have no idea what lower management is doing, and there's a disconnect, and they aren't finding out information. Usually, though, we'll find some source of information that will lead you to the higher-ups did know. But, you know, I had a long talk with the Wall Street Journal, and she said, who do we look to beyond PG&E or these companies? You have to look at their board, and you have to look at our government and what they did or didn't know. By way of example, the Wall Street Journal, it took them to do a Freedom of Information Act like ABC News did here in Australia on the PFOS to find a document that PG&E filed with the state of California nine years ago that they knew 18,000 miles of their transmission lines were due to fail and a campfire was inevitable. I'm sorry, who overlooked that one? So the information is there. Do we have people who aren't qualified to be in a job that aren't reading information and getting it to where it needs to go? Is it by design that they lose or don't have information? A lot of questions come to be. But I do believe because of this world of technology and social media, they can't get away with that anymore because immediately it will go out on Facebook or Instagram. And it gives people a little bit, you know, whistleblowers get a bad connotation. They're there to do a good job. But we're taught to tell the truth. But you learn if you do, you're punished. So then we stop talking. But through social media and different avenues today, even a podcast, you can say it because you're not in that room. There's a, a measurement of safety that we can let information out. And that's going to be the, the big change. It's happening right now because... We can access and get information way quicker than we used to be able to. But me reposting something on Twitter or writing a rant on an Instagram page with a picture of a, as you have witnessed, a two-headed frog, some guy flying at 30,000 feet in Allegiant on his way to Davos doesn't give a shit. Like, does it even touch them? Do they even care? Well, eventually shit rolls downhill. And I've seen it do that. And yeah. then they do care when it's in their own backyard. And, you know, this is the message. We have to take accountability, too. And we've been deceived. And we've got to use our voice. Because if you don't, you're just as guilty. And, and it's easier to bury your head in the sand. And it's easier to be lazy. But you're asking our kids and our grandkids to pay a high price. And it's legitimate. You know... I get the fatigue. I've been beating my head against this wall my entire career. And I gotta be honest, at one point I was like, okay, you know, I'm done. You can only make people do so much. And I have the gift of stick to And you keep coming back and building a trust with them and bringing them information that's tangible that they can touch and they can see. They'll start to come around. But I was just flat out tired until my first grandchild was born. And it started all over again. I'm like, what shit mess am I leaving for her? And we all have a duty and a responsibility and an obligation morally. This is our planet. This is our water. You've got to be kidding me. Let's just think about this. If you've got no water and poisoned food, what do you think the end game for you is going to be? Right? I mean, so I ask people all the time, get back to your common sense. That's what I've always had to use. I mean, wake up and take a look around. In Kansas, where I grew up, I could be outside playing and a tornado comes along. I hear the sirens. I'm sorry. 
I'm not calling the Weather Channel to ask if it's an F4 or 5 because I don't give a fuck. I'm running. This is instincts, common sense. We know to do this. What if you're headline read because you don't understand PFOS, perfluorococcotonic acid, TCE, benzene, hexavalent chromium, what it could do? But how about if it said rat poison? Y'all know what rat poison is, don't you? Okay, moms, and I know moms, they're not going to call the National Institute of Health or your governmental agencies and go, well, now I did read a study that says it's safe to drink at six parts per trillion. Mine's at five. Should I drink it or not? Come on. It's a poison. Nobody should be drinking it at any level. And to hide behind the science is... Frustrating, because you're making a mockery of the people who are the very ones that are exposed to this on a day-to-day basis. And I don't know where it is and why we have to have a science degree. And I learned this in Hinckley, California. Everybody told me, you're not a doctor, you're not a lawyer, you're not a scientist. Why should we listen to you? Well, hell, I don't have to be any of that to tell you two-headed frog in green water's wrong. I don't have to be any of that to tell you. It's a poison. You go ahead. Go ahead. I would challenge anybody. Pour a glass, put it in your baby bottle, and feed it to them at one part per trillion. You're not going to do it. And we have to start believing in ourselves. And we have to believe just because we don't have a science degree doesn't mean you can't challenge yourself. By God, we've got Google. We've got access to all this information. Make it your job to get involved and to find out. And you determine for yourself. And if you're going to answer me as any leader, oh, I... I'm happy to drink the PFOS. Well, let me do for you what we did in Hinkley. We're going to bring you a glass of hexavalent chromium, and we're going to ask you to drink it. Oh, no, they won't. So put your money where your mouth is. Fess up and drink it. And I'm talking at a significant level. And, you know, you had a councilman down on the Sunshine Coast. So they're drawing the water back, and they're bringing it down below what they think, you know, to a level that they deem safe, which is still not zero. Mm. And they're making a mockery of it. Your councilman is splashing in his face. Here, I drink it. It's safe and good for you. Oh, you're a fool. You should be ashamed of yourself. That is in no way comparison to what these people have been going through year after year after year after year to varying levels way higher than what you've got it reduced to. And you still have the audacity to sit here and call it tainted water. But it's good for you. Come on. Do not drink the Kool-Aid. And then you just dump the leftover into the ocean. Yeah. It's like, wake up, world. But I think we're waking up. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
short of getting a law degree and short of being uh, being arrested on the street for protesting, which is becoming more and more illegal in this country, which is pretty terrifying, <gasps> to be honest. Well, I'm seeing this. Yeah, it's pretty full. And you see the other day up in Queensland, they made it illegal to uh, chain yourself to, like, it, it's it's getting scary. You know, it's, it's, well, it is, especially the crackdown on the media. And I've been reading about that over here. And I've oh, actually said to somebody that I think my visa will be denied next year. Um, well, uh, uh, w- these, you should rise up though. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I know, you know, we have our articles in our constitution. You don't necessarily have that here, but the right to free speech and Mm. the right to, you know, bear arms. And I know many people, how they feel about that. I have military kids and I have my own opinion about it as well. But see, it's this idea of suppression Mm. that's hurting all of us. Because we're so beaten down with this idea of like, it's so, as I used the word before, but it is, it's the, the ability to do anything about it is so obfuscated. There's so much bureaucracy. It's so hard. Just, you just get the fuckets and go, ah, it's too hard. Yet but we might say we're getting fired up. We're listening to Aaron Brockovich on this show right now. What what can you do? What, what can we do as a form of activism? People protest. And remember, I learned in Hinckley, we began with one and then we became five and then we became 10 and 20 and 50 and 100 and they're like, whatever. It's like a no-brainer. When you get to be 500, 1,000, 1,500, you know, protest, uh, we do a lot of like passing around petitions, educating people, getting large signatures, getting them to the senators, even making a phone call. I tell you, it drives them crazy. You know, stay-at-home mom, and that kid's taking a nap, and, and you're, you're feeling like you can do it, call him. And don't call him once. Call him 10 times. Call him 15 times. Call him 20 times. And I have learned the power of women, especially in numbers. Just, like, get out of their way. But you have to make it your business. You have to choose that you want to get involved. I do a lot, a lot of keynote speaking. One of my programs I teach is called RAM, which is Realize, Assess, and Motivate oneself. Stop looking for the hero. Be the hero. Stop just waiting for science to give you information. Ask questions. Look up it on Google. Start doing your research. Coming to your own conclusions. Standing behind yourself. Informing your neighbors. That's the power. Be a ram. They are strong. They are stoic. And don't let somebody else convince you because you aren't this or that. You can't do this or that. Bullshit. You have every means to do so. And if you want to stand down and be a victim and buy the bullshit and let your kids drink poison, there's not much I can do to stop that. Mm. But most people, when they have the information and they are informed, and especially if they have a sick child, they're going to rise up and they're going to speak up. So in masses, in numbers, you can make a difference. This podcast can make a difference. Doing petitions can make a difference. You know, we have change.org at home. Everybody gets on there and signs, and you get it to that politician. You know, put their feet literally to the fire and see if they're going to get reelected next time. You know, you do bring up an interesting point in that we do have a, there's a phrase, there's two phrases in Australia, NIMBY, not in my backyard, which is like, it's all, right. well and, it's all very well and good. We need more prisons, but not in my backyard. Mm-hmm. And oh, there's, absolutely. There's also the other version, NIMTO, not in my term of office, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which, you know, when you're looking at long-term projects like this about, you know, something that's going to take 20 years to clean up or, you know, for example, 
if, if we want to get real grim uh, or real, actually, it's like, okay, we're looking at this much sea level rise. What's that going to do to the water table in the next 50 years? How can we plan for that? How are we going to protect this city? How are we going to protect low-lying areas of you know, our climate country? change is water. I've yeah. always said that. It's water. Yeah. It's water. Yeah, exactly. And it's pollution of water. Have you seen the documentary? What's Damon's last name, I asked from behind me? Uh, 2040? Yes. Mm. Come on. Have you seen 2040? Not yet. Watch it. Mm -hmm. Promise me you'll watch it and you'll let me know. The solutions are there. Yeah. All they have to do is choose. They're just choosing not to do that. Mm. We can change the future. It will take a long time to clean up the water. They've already started cleaning up the water. But in the interim, you can find another water source. You do have safe waters in certain aquifers. Protect them. Those that don't have access to fresh water, you're going to have to keep providing them water and bottled water. We did that in Hinkley. We were filling their swimming pools with, you know, 25,000-gallon barrels being delivered to their houses. So they had water. Your government's choosing not to do it. They can choose to do it. And there are solutions to it. It doesn't have to be gloom and doom. I mean, you know what? If that's the way someone's going to be, then give up. But the thing of it is, is that's just not the way it has to be. Stop drinking the Kool-Aid. Stop buying the bullshit. Oh, come on. It's 2019 in Australia. You still can't get one of your communities fresh water? That's despicable. It really is. You talk about how smart you are and how great the government is, and I see them out there doing it. Well, then show us. Mm. Because you're not acting anything new to the world or anything that is protective of your citizens. And you know what? You want to talk to them about, here, You all of us would be well advised. Talk about health crisis and the cost to governments for that. You're going to have a big one with all these kids that are going to end up with all these diseases from all this pollution in the water. Yet you can find the money, billions of it, to do something else that you want. The money's there. You just have to choose to make this your priority and to stop politicizing water. It's a humanitarian crisis that we're all going to face. Yeah. And so I just, for me, it's like, I don't want to hear any excuses. The means are there. They can clean it up. It's going to be difficult, but that doesn't mean there's other aquifers that they can't use or other ways that they can find to pipe in fresh water. In some situations, they've talked about freezing certain aquifers out here because they're so polluted. But you all let the horse out of the barn. And you've known for a really long time. So this is shame on you. And it's just high time that I think the gig is up and start speaking up is what will change the tide here. And we do that in the U.S. And I'm telling you, and listen, to think that you can't do something, if you watch 2040, it's going to clearly show you, yes, you can. It's like, oh, my gosh. We have all this technology, yet the simplest things can apply. In Hannibal, Missouri, in the United States of America, their water is heavily contaminated with lead. They came to us. We spent time going out there and communicating with them and educating them on why they were having this lead issue because they were adding ammonia to the water systems, which rendered the chlorination less effective. So it's called chloramines, and it saves money. That's why they do it. But it makes the water very corrosive. In America, we have about 18 million miles of lead pipe. So what it does is it pits the pipes. So all the lead, iron, and manganese precipitates out into the distribution system and the water is delivered to your tap. 
So we informed a group of women. They're like, oh, hell to the no. We're not going to have that. So they started going door to door, educating everybody. And their meetings grew from 5 to 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 to 50. They were hungry for more. They were finding stuff out. So they came and said, what else can we do? We said, how about run for office? They're like, I can't run for office. I can't. I'm, I'm a stay-at-home mom. All the more reason, run for office. So two of the ladies did, and they won. So they did a referendum and put out on the ballot to the community of Hannibal, Missouri. Ammonia, yes or no? Unanimously, it was a no. So once that referendum passed, it's law. They could no longer add ammonia, and I'm happy to tell you, Hannibal, Missouri is lead free. You know what? Get involved locally. Get involved if you, you know, the trickle down effect from the top. This is what we've all been taught. But I'll tell you what, a lot goes on in your own backyard right at your own city council. Show up. Right there is where you can stop something. You can say, I don't want this in my backyard. And when city council, if you ever go to city council meetings here, because they're like they are at home, nobody's there. They're just sitting there talking to themselves. But it's a game changer, and it's worth the look of their face when they see 100 of you come in, or 200. They're like, whoa, wait a minute. They're involved, but get involved in your own backyard. Just show up at a city council meeting. You know what? And Sunshine Coast has been in the news. You've got about 18,000 of them over there. They're starting to get pretty cranky, and they're starting to make a statement, and they're showing up. Show up. Get in the game. Quit being a bystander and just watching and bitching at your team because it's loose. And then get out there and get your skin in the game. Uh, Otherwise, you don't get a bitch. How about that? Uh, yes, Aaron. <laughs> get in the game. On a larger level, I'm fascinated in the kind of stuff that you're out here to do because on a, on a larger level, I am I'm very interested in the role of someone like Shine or other legal practices who are taking it upon themselves to go, this is important. You know, I don't want to live in a country where this stuff sort of happens. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that we make this no matter who gets in, whether it be this, you know, let's be honest, it's all the same team, uh, whether it be that team over there or this team over here, whoever wins the prime minister, you know, grand final, doesn't matter who it is, it's now a law that you can't do whatever it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by what is the role of someone like yourself and um, lawyers at that level who are putting massive cases towards the courts in Australia as we move into when we're getting into the really tricky stuff around shrinking water tables, around land swaps, when the, you know, we're talking about sea levels rising, around like, okay, so this town doesn't exist anymore. Where are these 10,000 people going to live? Where, where are we going to go? You know, mm-hmm. the Gold Coast looks like Venice. Venice looks like Atlantis. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck are we going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, where do you see the role of, of lawyers as we move forward into creating policy around adjusting to the way our weather's changing? Critical. I think that there is an amazing moment here for the law here in Australia and here in the United States. As I said earlier, lawyers have to remind themselves why it is they became lawyers. And it isn't just about a dollar figure. It is about policy. It is about that change. It is about creating and writing a law that makes a difference for the legacy and for their country. And there is a moment now where these policies can and should be challenged. And they're the very ones to do it. I remember way back in the day with Hinckley, 
Ed Masry and I were doing Hinkley. I had invested eight months of my time. I never saw my family. And he calls me into the law library. And lo and behold, Ed's going to believe everything else somebody tells him. Oh, well, we can't do this because we have a statute of limitation problems, which I appreciate that's a part of the law. And uh, we don't have the funding. And I was like, I just felt like somebody smacked me in the face. I'm like, really? <laughs> oh, okay, Mr. Edward, you know, Mr charge on with Aaron, you're going to tell me as I'm sitting in your law library that we can't do something. Because if we can, I want you to answer this question for me. How did all of these laws come to be that we work off of today? Because somebody had the courage, somebody had the guts, somebody took the risk to step out on a limb and make a change, make a challenge, change a policy. Because we're a new world. There's way more people. Those policies that worked 20 years ago aren't even applicable today. They're antiquated. So this is a moment where the judicial system has every moment to do exactly what they set out to do and why they became lawyers, to fight for that justice, for fighting for a policy that makes a change, for a better environment, for a safer workplace, for a better tomorrow for their children as well. So I think that there's an exciting moment here in the law where they can get really busy doing what it is I know they love to do. They love to fight. <laughs> they love a challenge, and they want to make a change. And there's a keen window and a moment and an opportunity right now for the judicial system I often to take that charge. Most politics in the world sits on... Uh, in the use American terms, liberal or conservative. You know, people, humans generally sit on one side or the other. You know, you're either, you know, I want more prisons, more guns and this, or I want less prisons, you know, be kinder to people. People kind of fall on one side or the other. I'm guessing, yes, it's good to fight, but at some point or the other, Aaron, you're going to have to get the person who thinks it's a great idea to be burning coal to find somewhere in the middle of the table and talk. And in your experience, what have you found is the best way when you're up against someone who is 180 degrees polarised view of you about, no, it's fucking great. I'm going to put this stuff in the water supply. Screw you, Aaron Brockovich. I don't care. What have you found is, is effective when it comes to trying to find a middle ground with someone like that? You have that? to push them. Because if you don't, they won't do anything. They'll just think you've bought their line of shit. Push them. What do I have to break out into some cheerleading song? Push them back. Push them back. <laughs> way back. They respond to that. Mm -hmm. They do. And every single time, that's when they'll come to the table. That's when they'll settle at the courthouse steps. Mm -hmm. That's when they'll go into defense mode. Get your documents, get your facts, be strategic, and push. And you know what? Don't come in with this expectation that you're going to you know, get a 70-yard run on them out the gate. It could be 10 yards. Mm -hmm. And then you may get pushed back 20. Come in and push forward 15. It's, it's a give and take. But until there's some pressure on them, until that there's public pressure. See, PG&E does not like court of public opinion against them. They'll do whatever they have to to change that. But you can't do nothing. Mm. So nobody's proposing running them to the ground. And here's the thing. Most of these companies we're talking about that are the biggest contributors to this issue, you're not going to run them into the ground. They're still going to be it. But there's going to be a lesson to be learned. There's going to be a boundary to be drawn. There's going to be a mindset that's going to change. And that will have to come from society. And push them. You have to, you're going to have to push them. 
well, we to live get in a, to that point. You, you, you can't just do nothing. You mentioned showing up with facts. We're living more and more into a post-fact world and facts aren't enough for a lot of people. You can, I've had, I don't know about you, but I've had quite a run-in with the, I put a photo of myself getting some vaccinations on the internet mm. not too long ago. Yep. And mm-hmm. I'll let you guess what my <laughs> inbox looked like for about the next three months. Yep. Um, oh yeah, I've been there. There's facts and there mm-hmm. seems to be, there's this humongous, you know, industry of like, you know, science is an accepted form of like, no matter which side of this aisle mm-hmm. that we spoke of earlier, we can both look at that thing and go, there's a shared reality that mm-hmm. we can both agree on and we're going to work around right. that. Yet more and more, there seems to be just as big an industry going, nope, that's actually what's real over there. Like in this almost post-fact world, how do you even operate? Do you have to trust yourself? And you kind of have to gauge the situation. None of us like shit shoved down our throat. I don't. But being able to just listen. And when I say come in with facts, you know, you can bring science, you can do information. But mostly you have to encourage that person. Find out for yourself. Stop relying on what it is you're hearing from somebody else. But you take it upon yourself and be the accountable one to find out for yourself and come to your conclusion and stand on your principle. And oftentimes that opinion can be changed. But if we come in just to change their opinion, you know then the, the talks kind of stop. But it doesn't mean you can't push on them. So you're talking a difference between corporation and the message they're trying to send and what the everyday people are hearing. I encourage them to rely on their own instincts and their own intuition. They are on the ground. They are living and breathing it. And when they know what they're experiencing and somebody else is going to try to convince them that's not so, you'll see them push back. You are seeing that happen in Australia right now, especially over on the Sunshine Coast. They're coming out and they're pushing back a little. So when you butt heads up, I'm happy to back off, stand down for just a minute and let everybody try to process the information of what's happening. And then Reapproach, if you will. Oh my gosh, it's kind of like what happened to us when we landed here. We had an aborted landing. So it's like, oh, I'm coming in for landing, but oh, wait a minute, something's not right. So off we go. But we repositioned and we came back in. And we have to do that. And a lot of times companies aren't willing to do that until you push them to the table. As far as the people go, this is something where we can't just sit on the sideline. And when something goes to shit, point fingers when you're not going to be willing to get involved and stand up for, this is your backyard. This is your water. This is your health. This is your family. You need to kind of have to stand up and rise up on the issues that are important to you. And again, water is life. I don't care who you are. If it's all polluted, I don't know, unless you've grown some fins, I'm not sure the outcome is going to be that good. But it's going to be about going back to the ram. Realize who you are. Assess who you are. And none of us like to be in a box. And nobody likes to be judged. And this is precisely why somebody won't come out and say something or they'll be too venomous on the other side because there, there's a fear. If we could take that away you'll oftentimes see that they'll back down a little. If you could get them to drop their guard, you're going to see what's behind that and that vulnerability. You know, they're afraid. Just like us. I think we all are. But I I still believe that the people, and you know, another thing I teach that I've learned along the way is use your logic. And everyone's like, what's that? It's your common sense. When you use your common sense, you'll do the right thing. You don't need anybody else. You sit there and conclude yourself if you want to drink a poison. Just think about that for a minute. 
Forget what level it is. Go ahead. Take some turpentine and drink it in your tap water. Let me know how that turns out for you. Because you're not going to do it. Logic, common sense, leverage. Get to know your community and join with your community. I clearly learned in Hinkley. One became 50 that became 500 that becomes 5,000. It's a numbers game and numbers make a difference. Imagine when you're out on a dirt road and you have flat tire. What do you do? Get out the jack and you can lift your car as high as if you had 10,000 hands. That's the power of leverage. Logic, leverage, loyalty. Be true to your cause. Oh, what? So at the first setback, you're going to, I give up, go away. You throw your, imagine in a rugby game, you're going to throw the ball down in the middle of the game because you didn't get it your way. You'd be booed by everybody. Get in there. <laughs> get in there. And lastly, I want you all, every one of us to ask ourselves, why are we in this rat race? What's your motivator? What's this born of? It's something that you've forgotten. It's just love. Love for your child. Love for yourself, your spouse, for your health, for your future. Love of your country, love of the environment, love of water. And you need to spend some time reconnecting with yourself and stop disconnecting from the environment in a place where you can hear yourself think and find that principle and what drives you. And we'll find out, you'll find out. We're not all that different after all. I'd, I'd say yeah, that, that's a thing like 50% of the planet now lives in cities. So the time of sitting there and, and having the only sound being the, the birds, the crickets, the, the bugs at night is not a reality for many, many, many people. Yet our bodies were designed, engineered, respond to mm -hmm. being in nature. And, and mm -hmm. the idea that we can invent this and create an antibiotic for that and air condition this room so we can live in a climate we otherwise couldn't live and da-da-da, we can invent so many things to cut us off from the environment. We have I'll, been cut off. Yeah. And we have to connect again. And listen, it's in your backyard. I don't want to hear anybody because I took a nice long walk today right down to the ocean yesterday. And just the air smells different. It forces you to take a breath. Put your feet in the sand. You have no excuse. I mean, even at night, just sitting out on your own patio. And you know, I don't know. You got some kookaburras running around out there, and I'm like, oh, I love that sound. Just listening to nature itself. And you know what? My God, put your phone down for an hour. <laughs> I mean, can you do that? Shut it off. I've thrown a couple of phones straight out my window on the You struck me as a phone thrower, Aaron. <laughs> so, and my kids are like, you're going to answer that? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Oh, I can ignore a phone call like nobody's business. But... We have to do that, and we have to take a look at ourselves. You know what? I don't want to dissect a politician anymore. Who I want to dissect and take a look at is myself. But remember something about nature, and this fascinates me. A caterpillar must dissect itself to turn into a butterfly. There's your T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you strike me as someone, uh, not only he'll throw a phone, which I wish I could have seen. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a few out there. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. Uh, but you also strike me as someone who's been, you've been this way for some time. Were you like this in primary school? Were you standing up for other people in primary school, Aaron? Well, um, I'm a dyslexic. So at a very early age, I was bullied and teased and judged and labeled. And I knew, I knew that I knew 
But I wasn't sure how I could show them I knew. And so I got pigeonholed. And I think a lot of us, that happens to us. And we stay there. And it was my mom that taught me just because you're different doesn't mean you're inferior. And again, we don't have to be anything to be a human, to know right from wrong. I don't have to preach that to anybody. You know. Know yourself. And that's what I learned. And so I became cranky because... I trusted in me, but nobody else trusted in me because I was different. So, you know, what is this idea of norm? Who sets those standards? I'm often looking around and going, who are they anyway that makes up these rules and stuff on standard of conformance of education and you have to be this or you have to be that? Our society for hundreds of years has been that way. And we the people are now saying that has to change because we are all different. And we have many, even look at, if you ever watched the movie about Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook. Oh yeah, the, the, uh, social, he, the social network, yeah. Look why he created Facebook. Yeah. Because he was different. Yeah. He's an odd he cat. He's being dissed. He's an odd cat. He sure is. And look at him now. Yeah. Because he knew who he was. And this is the message where we have to get back to. We have to get back to, and you know, when I talk about RAM and assessments, stop taking accounts of your bank account and what you drive and who you know and what you wear. How about you start taking a look at who you are? That's what we leave behind. All the other shit is just shit. But it's a true question at taking a look at yourself. Do you think we come out, like Wolfie's nine weeks old, do you think we come out kind of pre-programmed knowing that if I say or do a certain thing and I see the other person's face make a certain thing, like, oh, I feel something inside my body and that's a bad thing. Do you think we come out knowing that? Like in, that it's inside us all? I think it is. I think even animals know it. I think it's fight or flight. I think it's instinct. I think you can smell a storm coming. You, it's fearful. I think it's there, deeply instinctual. Um, but hell, living in this society, you can take it away and learn, dislearn it really very quickly because we remove them from that or we don't, we question it. Think about what we do to little babies in the very beginning. Oh, we force them to eat broccoli. We think that they spit it out because it's bad for them. But oftentimes, instinctually, they'll spit something out because maybe they're allergic to it and their body knows. There's such a disconnect between our mind and our body. And we, we got to put them back in sync again. I've always said that if my head, my heart, and my gut aren't in alignment, something's wrong. But I do think that we are basically born with great instincts. Babies know it. You know, do you think they know why they're crying? Or does an instinct tell them they're hungry? Or their diaper's poopy or something hurts? I mean, instinctually, oftentimes, they do know. And, you know, mommies and babies know best, but we don't want to listen to them. We want to poo-poo what it is. And, and that's just the one thing I won't move away from and that we need to respect. I think there's been a lot of lost respect throughout society and yeah. a great disrespect to our environment. It, think about it. It's the very thing that sustains us all. Yeah, we and in it's, every way, shape, yeah. or form. And it's the the one the one resource that every single country on the earth shares. The Absolutely, a, the atmosphere. How like, do you think we got gas for our cars? It's coming from the earth. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you've got to think of it this way: if you go to the ATM and you withdraw and withdraw and withdraw and withdraw and never make a deposit, guess what happens? Yeah. There's no more money. 
How long are we going to just keep taking and taking and Aaron, taking and taking? Aaron, it's called quantitative easing. We just print more of it? No, that's not how it's going to work, especially <laughs> with the environment. I don't know. countries do it left and right. So start making a deposit back, even if it's one deposit. Start making a deposit. Mm. And everything that has made us who we are, the wood right here. Oh, where do you think this is coming from? Mm-hmm. The environment. Yeah. The oil that we're using for gas and to fly over here, where is that coming from? We're taking it from the environment, all of it. Mm. This planet has sustained every single thing that we are as a society. But you know what? You can't just take it all and leave mm. it nothing. What, what will become of this? You've got to see the forest through the trees. And so a lot of these agencies have a very short-sighted agenda, normally for themselves, but not as the overall view. So I think yeah. that... I thought one of those, like, come on, you, you guys you guys breathe as well, right? Like, I wonder... They do. <laughs> yeah. You realize that this is the same air that you'll be needing to breathe and your kids will need to breathe. Often. You know what? They'll change when we change. Yeah. As long as we just keep idly sitting by and going, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy your little wizardry. Mm. You know, and I always talk about the Wizard of Oz, and I think that we're in that same parallel today. If you understand the book, The Wizard of Oz, not the film, there's a political allegory to it and why L. Frank Baum wrote it. And we're there again today. And here they go on that great journey and that wicked witch that tried to push them all back because they didn't want you to find out the truth. And you pull back the curtain behind the wizard. (laughs) They're just in there pulling a bunch of levers because they haven't a damn idea what they're doing. But as long as you keep buying it, they'll keep doing it. When we change, they'll change. Not the other way around. You, when we change, they'll change. This is true. You are clearly someone who doesn't mind being at the bow of the ship while the, the storm the storm <laughs> crashes over you, Aaron. How hang on. <laughs> how do you how do you remain resilient? How do you keep the energy and how do you keep you mentioned before you were ready to give up and then, you know, you saw your, your, mm-hmm. your first granddaughter arrive. How do you maintain knowing what you know? And, like, you'll know more than I'll ever know. You'll read more dossiers and more pieces oh, of paper. Oh, I know more than I want to know. Yeah, I'm exactly. like, I didn't need to read that document. How do you... <laughs> I didn't want to know that. How, how, do you, how do you maintain resilience? How do you main, make sure that you've got enough to do this again tomorrow? I allow myself to be human. I'm so imperfect and I have plenty of flaws and I have plenty of fears And when I feel overwhelmed, I allow myself a moment to be afraid, to cry, to stop, and just say, you know what, I can't do it all. And when I I do, and when I can disconnect from just a moment from the chaos and spend an evening laughing with the grandkids or just, I don't know, look at how beautiful and proud I am of my kids, how thankful I am. Got my son's home from a war. And can you hear the birds? Did you just hear that? It's just in that space where you'll pivot. And you know what? Give yourself a hug. Have a little bit of faith. Believe again. I do believe that that can shift energy. And when you, when you go negative, go positive. Make it your job. And when you see negativity, move away from it. Make it your job. Make it a notice to have those observations, but mostly I have to forgive myself. I'm flawed and that's okay. And I have to be okay that I'm not perfect and allow myself that moment. And then you know what? You can get down on the ground, you can cry for a little bit, but at the end of the day, you're going to get back up and you're going to go at it again tomorrow. (sighs) 
Aaron Brockovich, I cannot even imagine <laughs> what the invoice for one hour and five minutes of billable hours for you would be, but I cannot be more than grateful for you taking the time to do this with me today. Well, I'm so grateful that you're doing it. And I know that you may feel like you don't make a difference, but you do. And you know what? Just things catch on. I have to tell you, disruption is a great thing. And while we're in a moment of disruption, it has to happen for us to wake up. And there's the hope. You're the greatest. Thank you for this. It was so nice to be here. (laughs) (laughs) You're quite the challenge yourself. Uh, Can I take your photo real quick? (laughs) I'd love to. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Thank you. Oh, man. That was Aaron Brockovich. Incredible. 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 A real... A real landmark moment to do that interview and a, and a massive moment for this show as well. Because, you know, I ask you each week to let someone know about the show and, and, have, and you know, that we're now at a point where people who look after someone like that are reaching out and asking me, do I have time to interview them? Like that, there's some more guests on the way that are as big and, and um, I just can't thank you enough for your support to help us make this show as, as big as it's getting and it's, it's, it's super exciting. Uh, only took us 309 episodes. There you go. Six years. Uh, nearly seven. Awesome. Uh, brilliant. Thank you so much. There's a lot of people that made today's show happen. Uh, David from Shine, you are the best, David. Thank you so much for logisticizing this whole thing. Tara from the Langham in Melbourne, who really looked after us and put us in this glorious, glorious suite there. Andy Ma, my audio producer, who helped me make it sound incredible. Rachel Barrett, my show producer, who, without which nothing happens in my life at all. And, of course, Toe Hider, Mike Mills, um, who made all the music that you heard today. So, look, honestly, after listening to that, I don't know about you, but I am uh, fired up. And she's right. <laughs> she's right. Time is now. Time is now. I look at my little boy. I look at Georgia. You know, and when Georgia's my age in 30 years, I want to be able to look at her and say I did everything I could. And I know you do too. So let's, let's get after it because there's plenty more people like Aaron and um, they deserve our support and they need our momentum to help it all keep going. So whatever you do, just do something. Do it today. Reach out, make a phone call, send a letter, send a fax, do whatever, but do it because we got it. There's no option. There's no option. There is no option. Right. I better get going. Um, going off to dinner tonight with, uh, with G and uh, her mate and Audrey and Wolfie and uh, it's going to be good so yeah until we speak on Friday have a fantastic week look after yourself uh, sleep well and dream of beautiful things